you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Half Step Pod. I'm your host, Connor Lane, and across from me, Grant Fisher. Grant, we got a bonus up, interview number one. Yeah, man, a little bonus. Uh, our first bonus episode, first guest. Uh, this was a really, really fun episode to record. Um, I, I had a blast talking and uh, learned a lot. Yeah, so Mo Ahmed uh, is going to be our first guest on the podcast. Uh, we were super lucky to have him, super excited, and it was great. It was super long, so we're going to break it up into two parts. Uh, this first part is going to be starting with, I guess we talked about the long run you guys did on that Sunday first, but then moving into you know like Mo's upbringing, because uh, he was born to Somalian refugees, who lived in Kenya for the first 10 years of Mo's life before he came over to Canada. Uh, we talk a little bit about that cultural shock, how he got into running, uh, his time in college at Wisconsin, and then his first few years as a pro, building into uh, you know two Olympic teams that he made. Uh, he made one as a junior going into his senior year of college, which is decently impressive, and then <laughs> uh, was fourth in the 5K in Rio in 2016. So we talk about all of that stuff and get right up to Doha, in 2019, which was his first global medal, before we uh, we wrap this episode, and then we'll have the second like 45 minute segment for you guys next week uh, to tide you over. So yeah, I mean Mo, two time Olympian, uh, global medalist, 12:47 in the 5K, 26:59 in the 10, but he can probably run faster than that at this point. That was done at Worlds in 2019. Uh, like world class pacer also. Yeah, uh, you know he paced Woody to sub thirteen uh, at the Portland track uh, by running like forty six hundred of that race. Uh, he's paced you to some of your PRs, all of most of your PRs at the very least, and uh, yeah, just all around was a really great guy to talk to. I don't know, what did you think about it? Oh, it was great. Uh, you know, Mo's such an insightful guy, so thoughtful. Um, you know, everything he does and said is uh, is you know with purpose, which is cool. Uh, he's been a great guy to learn from in my first few years on the team and definitely someone that uh, I looked up to uh, not so long ago and continue to look up to. He, he's uh, a great mentor and role model as well. So um, had a great time. You know, we had some great discussions just on kind of the emotions going into some of these global championships, going into an Olympics, going into uh, world championships where there's a lot on the line and you have a lot of pressure and how you deal with that and kind of the aftermath, uh, of, of, you know, coming down from that high. So, uh, some cool behind the scenes looks that, that he was able to give. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to have everybody listen to it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, without any further ado, here is our interview with two-time Olympian global medalist and Grant's teammate at Bowerman, Mohamed. Okay, hello everyone. We're now here with our first ever guest on the Half Step Pod. We're joined by Mo Ahmed. Mo, how are you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Enjoying my Sunday, you know. I can kind of celebrate the end of the week a little bit until uh, tomorrow starts, uh, until Monday. And, you know, the, the you know, 
climbing the mountain uh, starts again. So for the next week, they're doing well. Yeah, you and Grant hit a long run this morning, like with the whole squad up in Park City, right? Yeah, yeah, we did that um, in uh, Colville. Um, I did a two-hour long run. Grant got, you know, got dropped off at uh, <laughs> 55, 55 minutes in, something like that. And then he turned yeah. back, and you know, I, I was, I was, I was, you know, baiting him to to go two hours, you know, but he, he didn't want to, he didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, for whatever was... reason, I don't know why. <laughs> it was take your kids to work day apparently mo dropped me off at an hour <laughs> <laughs> oh man reliving some of those demons up in colville for grant yeah i've had yeah. some rough ones out there so yeah today was a bit better <laughs> yeah dude i'm not gonna lie colville so we, we came up uh started coming up to park city in 2015 and colville like immediately became our like long run spot and i am not gonna lie like for like two year, three year stretch, I hadn't had a good long run out there. I would just get dropped. Like every single one, I would get dropped. Like the most memorable one was 2015, right before the World Championships. It's uh, me, Dan Hewling, Evan, and Ryan. And um, Jerry had like the, the long run with a little bit of structure. So we were kind of cutting down the last like five miles, like kind of you know, like 5.30 all the way down to like five minutes. And <laughs> I, I like I think it was like something like 85 degrees or something like that. And um, me and Ryan are leading, you know, the first like two, two miles in and we're immediately straight into the wind. And <laughs> and then uh, and we're literally suffocating. Like me and Ryan are both huffing and puffing. The steeplechasers are like sitting on us and uh, we flip um to go you know to finish off the um like the next three miles and immediately ryan gets popped and then like half like 800 meters later i get popped (laughs) and then (laughs) and then like you can see like you know another like 400 meters in the distance you see dan get popped it was it was brutal so yeah you're not alone in the uh colville suffer (laughs) fest yeah, it makes it strong though. It definitely makes it, it strong. It does. It does. Yeah. 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 It seems like a rite of passage, basically. <laughs> like all the all the newbies and environment system get dropped. It makes you wonder, like, who was dropping? Who, like in the earliest days of the program, like was, if Evan was what one of the first guys there. Like, who's dropping Evan? Has it just always been, like, the next guy up just getting his butt kicked in Colville? Yeah. Um, it's probably Sawinski. <laughs> Yeah, back in the day, yeah, probably, yeah. I think, uh, you know, uh, Evan graduated from the school of, like, Matt Tagenkamp and Byru and Chris Alinsky, the yeah. older guys, and those guys, you know, beat him up. And um, I guess, uh, like, the guys that I, that I like, when I joined the group that were on the team, like, joined in 2012, you know, that was, like, you know, um, um, Chris Derrick and uh, Jeremy Fernandez, Ryan Hill, those guys. Um, so the guys that were like pushing the pace when I joined, uh, was obviously Evan. I mean, 2015 was like one of his best years. He was invincible. Like that camp, um, in 2015, he was just floating, man. Like he was just floating while I was just sucking wind. Um, I think for, we were up here for six weeks straight and I did not feel good on a workout, on an easy run, on an easy double, literally everything felt horrendous it was just miserable and you know i'm looking uh, like 
Evan is just floating, you know, just floating. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is, you know? And by the end of the camp, like, you know, he went on a tear. He ran the, that famous Paris race. He ran the 332 mm. um, and, and everything. But yeah, he graduated from that school, I guess. And when I joined the group, like Evan, CD, I mean, he's definitely a one-stepper. Loves it, you know, like a typical <laughs> overachieving uh, Stanford, you know, I mean, it's a reason why he went to Stanford, right? Like, <laughs> mm. Yeah, typical, so, typical. Yeah, t- typical. Uh, uh, so, yeah, CD. Um, I I always was just like at the back of the pack, like, you know, check off if, if I start hurting. Um, and now, you know, I'm, what, like six, seven years into the group. And, you know, I, I'd be dropping some, some of these youngins, you know, here and there. <laughs> but... <laughs> I like to think I'm also kind to them as well here here and there. Uh, so <laughs> on occasion. Um, on occasion. On occasion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that uh we're gonna get more on that later on, I think, in the interview. I, I was talking to Josh Schumacher yesterday about I was asking if he had any bits of, you know, workouts between Mo and Grant. So I think we'll be bringing that up later <laughs> on. I heard, I heard a couple of stories. I Ooh. want to see if they're true. I'm sure oh, Mo would enjoy, enjoy talking <laughs> about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go through some PTSD, but yeah, let's talk about <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yeah. But no, but we should, we should start off with just like a brief little background on you. Um, I listened to the Price of Model price of a mile pod that you do at woody kincaid back in 2017 you guys went over a lot of biographical stuff so i recommend that for people but kind of just just touching on your your upbringing and just you know your experience getting into running um so you are somali canadian right and uh we're born to two somalian refugees but spent what the first 10 11 years of your life in nairobi in kenya Mm -hmm. yeah and then came over to canada so what was what was that transition like going from a place like Kenya to a place like Canada? I mean, besides just the weather, which would seem like a huge transition. Like, yeah, yeah what, what was, I guess, the decision for the family to move? And then also, I mean, how you responded to all of it? Yeah, that was, a, that was a shock. I mean, I think that's the one word to describe it is it was just very shocking experience or transition. Um, and I mean, I think... Uh, we moved in like November of uh, uh, 2001, so winter was just <laughs> coming. Um, so we go from 80 degrees and sunny every day uh, to just mm. winter. You know, like in the middle of you know beginning of winter, and it's like four or five months of that. And um, yeah, I mean, I think. The hardest part was definitely the adjusting to the weather, but also the language barrier. We didn't speak English, like, uh, when we moved. Um, so wow. School, yeah, school wasn't easy, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was kind of, for me, like, my mm-hmm. f- first, like, formal schooling kind of thing, you know, um, at 10 years old kind of thing. So, yeah, everything was was, was kind of hard. It was, it was pretty much an, uh, an adjustment. Um, but... The good side is that I was young um, and I had my brothers with me and, you know, we were able to like learn up, pick up the language really quickly within five, six months of um, uh, living in Canada. We were able to have conversations with, with people and pretty much like speaking English at home, even, you know, and that quickly. So I don't know. It's it's just just kind of speaks to like um the power of the mind and you know when you're young you can just pick up things real quickly 
So, um, yeah, um, the first few years was pretty, pretty difficult, but I think like, like I said, like we were, we were able to adjust and the biggest thing was sports for us, right? Like, um, sports, you don't really speak. You can, you can just body language kind of thing, you know, and, um, people, Mm -hmm. uh, playing basketball and being competitive and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, through that, we were able to like adapt and, uh, adapt to the society and make the society a part of us as well. So, was was it basketball early on for you primarily or was like when did running um, come into the picture yes. kind of what was your sport upbringing uh soccer i played a little bit of soccer um but okay. uh, in in middle school um the 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 middle school that i went to it's like grade five and six i went to two different other schools um and i played soccer in those ones like i wasn't part of like any of the school teams or anything like that um but just played like in the playground at recess. Um, and then in middle school, that's, I guess, <clears throat> I don't know, for whatever reason, like, I mean, our, our middle school, like had a lot of like different sports or something like that. Um, so that's when I remember like going out and trying out for teams and the middle school that I went to just happened to have one of like the best coaches of like the local soccer clubs. Um, and so he was like very, very picky. And a lot of the kids, um, I mean, they were good. Like a lot of the kids that, um, that I went to school with were part of the, that club already. So here I am trying out for, for the soccer team and I am getting cut like really early, you know? And I'm like, what the (laughs) hell, you know? Um, and then going out for the basketball team as well. And I'm getting cut as well. Um, but I just definitely love those two sports played it, um, watched a lot of different um, sports on TV, basketball, hockey, um, baseball, everything, um, like golf. We, we just gravitated towards uh, a lot of different sports. And my mom was like, you guys are not going to be, because it's four boys. That It's like me and my three brothers. And that's just too much testosterone at the house. <laughs> like just, you can't let that roll in the house a little bit. So mom would always just be, at every chance that she got, she just put us in the car and say, let's go to the park and play. And we just competed against each other um, and everything like that. And we just, we just love sports, I think. And um, track, I would say, came into the picture um, somewhere in, the, in middle school, just because of the exposure um, of watching it every Saturday on CBC. Um, it was kind of like, oh, that's mm. cool, you know? And... Um, but obviously it's not a sport that you go to the park and you play, you know, like, um, it's, it's not, it's not that fun. Um, but (laughs) I had, I had the opportunity, um, to just be on the cross country team and the track and field teams, uh, at my middle school. And that was first, uh, exposure, um, of, uh, track and field. Um, but to be honest, like I wasn't, I wasn't very good. Like I was like middle of the pack. I still had a lot of like, uh, growing up, growing to do. Um, I, like my limbs haven't stretched out at that point. <laughs> um, so I was just kind of like, yeah, just, I just did it because I, I kind of enjoyed it a little bit. And, um, I wanted to kind of be like, uh, Bekele or Hisham Rouge and, you know, those guys that I watched, um, compete like in the circuit and the diamond, uh, I guess it was the golden league, uh, circuit. 
um, and you know the world, uh, the Olympic championships, uh, um, the Olympics in two thousand and four. Um, so just because of that, I was like, oh, I want to go. I want to be on the team, kind of thing. And um, I really didn't start showing any signs of talent in track and field until um, high school, I would say. And even then, like I was sort of middle of the pack again. I mean, I, I was making uh, my provincial meet, which is very, very difficult meet to actually qualify to because to go to OFSA, you had to go through South region, SASA for me on my, like my uh, region. You had to go to like two, three different zones. Um, um, and it was just like at least like five or six meets you had to like go to and qualify. You know what I'm saying? I think like the first meet, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you have to be like top 16 and then the next meet, you have to be top eight or something like that. And then the next meet is like top three, you know, and top three and top three. And it's like... And OFSA is for Ontario, right? Ontario. Like that yeah. That was like the big one that you're building for? Yeah, okay. Ontario, yeah. So it was very difficult to like qualify to. And I did pretty well. Like I won my region and, and stuff like that. But at OFSA, like I think I was like eighth as a, as a freshman. Um and yeah i don't know like that's kind of when you know the the possibility of joining a track club kind of opened up and um like the local track club saw me and said hey i think you could be good um but still it was just kind of love you know i mean it's just kind of like oh i'd like to do this it's kind of fun i'm having success in it um so why don't why don't i do that um so yeah yeah and so, so, you know, you go through your, I guess, high school career, um, you end up coming to Wisconsin, and that's kind of your first experience, I guess, in that team environment, right? You know, a lot of, a lot of Canadian, like, younger running seems to be like, club-based. Yes. I know for you, you, you've mentioned before, like, that, that team environment, that was kind of the first experience you had with that. And then y'all won in 2011 as well. So right, right. what was it like going from maybe more of an individual training team. plan, training on your own, to right. jumping into a team like that? like those, you know, early 2010s Badger teams and earlier and winning as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Like, um, cause you, you said it like, you know, I had to qualify as an individual to a lot of the provincial meets that I had to, um, uh, compete for, for my high school. Cause I was the only person in my high school that did track. Um, and you know, I did have kind of like a team. Um, I trained with the team a little bit because of the track club. So every, think like two or three times a week I would go to the local track club and you know that I did most of my training there and I would just run for my high school um so qualifying as an individual it was tough I mean I think um it was tough but the and and like I just saw all these other kids qualifying as a team and doing well as a team you know at offsa and stuff like that and I was like oh man that would be very cool you know um, so when I, when I had the opportunity to, um, look at universities, team was like number one, you know, like, um, I was like, you can't do this by yourself. Um, you know, you gotta go to a, a school that challenges you, that develops you, um, and you know, where you can grow a bit. And I felt like the next thing that I wanted to have, uh, to experience was the team, um, atmosphere and going after an NCAA uh, title as a team I was like that man that'd be fun you know so Wisconsin like yeah I wanted to win as an individual uh, out there but team goals was like very very high 
Um, and obviously, like the reasons that I committed to University of Wisconsin was, um, I think location. Madison's a is a is a pretty city. Um, it's a it's a great institution. Uh, Mick Byrne was a was a great coach. He is a great coach. Um, and then the obviously the the pedigree and you know the tradition that the school had in cross country and producing distance runners and that kind of thing. So those things attracted me to it. And but ultimately it was like the team that I was going in with and um, the particular uh, recruiting class that I was part of in two thousand and nine. Um, you know it had NX Sam Champ like Reed Connor and. Um, Drew Shields, who was like I think fourth and fourth at NXN and Foot Locker. Um, it had guys like Zach Mellon who ran 140, 147 or one forty eight as a junior, and it was kind of like, oh man, like I'm not even the biggest name, you know, on this recruiting class, and I just kind of came in and um, was like, I want to be part of this, you know, I want to go for a national uh, 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 championship in cross country and track and. You know, those were the goals, but we were only we were able to only manage one um, <laughs> national uh, title just because it's just it's, it's a hard just so thing to hard. get. It's so yeah. hard. Yeah, I think our freshman year we were seventh, and then the sophomore year we were we were supposed to be second, um, but one of our guys collapsed with he went from I think fifteenth or something like that, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and the home stretch at Terre Haute. Um, and just collapsed, just literally was walking, depleted his glycogen storage and just was walking like a zombie and faded all the way to 230th. So if he finished, we would have been second, but because he didn't even score for us, we finished third. And then our third year, we finished, we won. And then fourth year, um, we were second. So we had a, I felt like we had a good record um, of going and chasing after, after that. But um, I'll say like, one of my fondest memories um, of running was probably that chase, that that 2011 um, chase to get after that national title, and it was just so much fun. Like we had, we had you know five guys who had to perform and not get injured throughout the whole year. If, if those guys competed and showed up at the NCAA championships, like we we had, we knew we had a great chance, but we had to like the entire from August all the way to November, you know, battle like this. It's like one of us cannot get injured. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't overdo training. We got, I mean, we also got to get after training as well, but not overdo it. And we got to like do all the little stuff. And I mean, we just had so much fun. It was probably, it's some, it's some of my funnest, like fondest memories, I would say that year. No, that, that is awesome. That, I mean, that's what I feel like so many guys say, especially after leaving the NCA. Like those, those NCA teams and getting to compete for a cross title is something that you know everyone highlights. Grant, I know you've like you've said similar stuff as well. Yeah, man. Sure. I mean, we unfortunately never won. the The title was a little elusive <laughs> for us, but yeah, some of those those memories just like you know a whole team of guys with one focus um, and just banded together each day and. Um, yeah, ultimately we didn't, didn't catch the, the biggest W of the year, but you know, just those feelings of being part of something big, being part of something special like that, that was a reason why I picked Stanford. Um, and it sounds like a reason why Mo, you picked Wisconsin just to be part of something like that. Um, kind of interesting. I was just thinking, you know, we do have a decent amount of people in Bowerman that were a part of good team cross country in college. 
um, kind of interesting how kind of the, the type of individual that maybe is drawn to that team environment in college is also drawn to that team environment and, and kind of thrives in that environment professionally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, I, I also like feel like Jerry goes for that too, you know, yeah. like, um, just because I don't know, like, um, cross country is, is very, very important in development, you know, like if you're hitting track, the track during the fall, during the winter and, and the spring and, and summer, like, I don't know, like it, it doesn't seem a, a, as fun. And I feel like the development of the, of the athlete and, and like saving the body a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like the stress that the track alone, you know, puts like, I, I don't know, like I, I felt like, um, you know, uh, doing the cross country, uh, season and doing the base, um, and running on grass and soft surface. Like, I don't know. I felt like that saved, um, my body a little bit more, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, and, and development too. It's a, it's a diff, it's a different, it's a different stimulus, obviously. Um, mm. and I don't know. I felt like it just made running fun. You know what I mean? Like uh, a little bit more kept, it kept it fun for sure. So for me, yeah. Yeah. When we are talking so much about like, you know, the joy you had in cross country, is that something you would want to go back to if it became like a Olympic sport, whether in the winter or summer games oh. or something like that? There was talk about that a couple of years ago, potentially happening. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think like a fall season with cross country would be pretty fun to to do with the especially with the guys that you know that I'm training with right now. Um, but I don't know. I think right now, like with every with just like how stressful it is to train and gear up for the outdoor track and field season, you need a mental break and. Uh, you know, a physical, a physical break too, you know, uh, a period where you're doing, you're lifting five pounds, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you know, like, you know, like, like a lighter weights, you know what I mean? And I feel like in the, in the fall, it's just mileage, it's base, it's just conditioning. It's not, you're not really stressing about a race to come or, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're not like, you're not pressing, you know, you need a, a period where, it's a little bit of relaxation and I don't know, like I, I really enjoy my fall, um, just doing the work, showing up, just not caring, like, you know, not stressing about, about anything, about the work, what we're doing, just showing up, you know, Jerry telling us the workout, running around in on the turf, um, you know, for however miles repeats that he wants us to do and, and really not like focusing and stressing about, uh, something, you know what I'm saying? Like a race or, or something like that. I, I, I feel like, you know, having that period during the fall and even during the winter where I'm kind of not fully uh, laser sharp on, on a singular focus helps me, you know, uh, be, be laser focused in the summer. I feel like, you know, uh, when I need to be, uh, you know, um, be ready and, and apply the pressure. Um, so I don't know. I, I like, I like how things are right now, but yeah, that's a boring answer. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd agree with you, Mo. Like, <laughs> no, it's okay. I, in college, cross country was incredible. Such a fun experience. It, I feel like it made me a really well-rounded run, runner, both, both physically and mentally. Um, physically, you know, getting 
more mileage getting ready for 10 Ks rather than maybe a 1500 and mentally just, you know, putting the team first. Um, I do think that's an important skill to, to learn sometimes, you know, it's not always about yourself. Um, as far as doing a pro season in the fall, yeah, I do agree. The pro track season is just so intense, you know, such high stakes. Um, and I, I don't think a cross country season in the fall would, would be great for that. Uh, the margins are just so slim on the track that, you know, you can't be hammering and hitting workouts hard all year long. You need that kind of down cycle. Um, and the fall is that for us, um, you know, we're hitting it pretty hard from December till October. So that, that three month little block where you can just chill and kind of reset your body mentally and physically again, uh, I do think is important. Um, obviously I'm not a vet like Mo, but, uh, my first season, I definitely felt like I needed a break by the end. I was, I was kind of drained. Just the intensity was just something I'd never experienced. And, uh, you know, you're, you're just shooting to, to get, you know, 0.01% better, um, because that's the difference between winning and losing. And, uh, you know, I, I do think racing and training super hard in the fall would kind of be a little detrimental to that. Um, it would be fun. Uh, I just think it would take away from some of those track, track performances. hundred percent. That totally makes sense. Um, Mo, though, going off of that really quickly, like just, I guess, going to the next thing, you talk about maybe needing that fall to reset. I know at Wisconsin, you took that next indoor season after the team title to redshirt completely, right? In preparation to try to make the Olympic team for Canada in 2012. And you did end up making that team after hitting the standard, I think, here, right? At Stanford? At Stanford, yeah. Payne Jordan, yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh so. every year but um so you, you qualify for you qualify for the games uh as a junior going into your senior year of college what was the games experience like for you and also what does you know qualifying still in the NCAA system which not a lot of people do what does that do for your like perspective shift as a runner you know coming back to NCA and maybe thinking about a pro career like what yeah. did all that mean yeah that's very very good question um you know, like coming into Wisconsin, like I, I actually do remember during the recruiting process, um, like asking a lot of the uh, a lot of the coaches, um, like, hey, like in 2012, you know, that that'd be my junior year. Like, you know, the Olympic Games are going to be happening, and I want to be part of that. Um, I made a promise to myself, like after watching the 2008 Olympics, that I was going to be in the next one, um, and. You know, what are the things that you would do when that time comes, you know, and based on some of the answers that I was given by the coaches to that question, like that kind of swayed where I was, you know, going to go kind of thing, you know. So Mick Byrne like was like, yeah, man, like, you know, that year um, we'll do whatever. Obviously, we we need to do if, you, if we need to register you, if you know, whatever, like mileage and um type of training that we need to do to get after the standard like we're going to do that um so after um the fall when we won um uh the team title like you know i was kind of Mm -hmm. i was feeling pretty good because i mean i did i did a really good summer and i do remember like mick saying hey you want to make this olympic team you know next year i was like yeah yeah i do you know he's like 
you got to put in a good base in the summer too. Like this is what you do in the summer of 2011. You know, base season is gonna is gonna help you out. You know, down down, down the line. So you got to do that. So it's kind of a motivation. It's kind of two pronged, uh, 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 goal oriented motivation for me that year. I was like, I'm putting in the work to get after a national title as a team, and also set myself up well for um, you know. The, the new year and, and the prospects of making an Olympic team. And um, yeah, like we decided to uh, register that indoor season just because, you know, the specific workouts that we, we needed to do, um, racing an indoor season was going to kind of jeopardize that a little bit. And we needed to hit the workouts a little, a little bit more. And uh, Mick wanted me to, um, you know, individualize my training a little bit. And I felt like I did some good work. Um, and I don't know, to be honest, like I look back, I'm like, I did do some good work. Like I, I do remember like doing some mild repeats at like 420, whatever, 21, 22, right, 24, right around there. Um, but I just remember that race in Peyton Jordan. Um, I, I was like, man, like if you do well here, if you take care of the standard, like you have an opportunity to potentially go, uh, go professional, you know? So I was like telling this to myself, I was like, man, if you want to do this as a career, man, like you better enjoy this race and you better, you know, compete and you give everything you have, um, to, you know, to, to, to show yourself, you know? And, um, and yeah, somehow I was able to like pull out the, pull out the standard and it was strange, honestly, like it was, it was relief. It was like, oh man, like I felt like I, you know, when you're going after, you're like, oh, maybe it's not as hard. But, man, it was so hard. Like, I gave everything I have that season in that race. Uh, um, and, you know, to answer the, the the last part of your question about, like, how did that change my, the landscape, you know, how I saw the landscape in the NCAA. Like, yeah, I mean, it said, yeah, like, you can compete with the, at the international stage, you know, like, um I was in that in that Olympic final in that Olympic ten thousand meters. Like I was hanging tough for, I don't know, like seventeen whatever laps, and I got dropped. You know, and I was like, okay, well, I gotta, you know, get better and grow, keep growing and stuff like that. Um, but it just told me like it just got me like that. The London experience got me more hungry, more fired up. You know, like it, you know the the position that I finished. It just made me say, you know, like on the next one, I want to be better, you know, I want to finish better. Um, and in the landscape for the NCAA, like it said, man, like you should win an NCAA title. Like, you know, you're one of the guys <laughs> and, um, uh, ended up winning nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Zero zip, you know, um, it was, it was unbelievable. Like, I don't know, that arrow was just tough man like you had Larry Lalang who was running 13 flat you know 333 like ridiculous like it was it was such a competitive era um that I think I think I competed pretty well in it but I think I still wasn't doing a lot of the right right stuff you know what I'm saying I wasn't you know training as hard um you know Mick I think was in some ways trying to save my body in some ways for a um, uh, pro career, you know what I'm saying? Not use, use everything up, you know? Um, so I felt like um, I owe a lot of, uh, um, I, you know, I owe a lot to, to Mick and how he set me up and 
you know, he tried helping me learn little other skills that could help me become a pro. You know what I'm saying? Like, he would always, he wouldn't, he would be like, hey, what race do you want to do? You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't be like, we're putting you in this race and, you know, we're going to do this. He would talk to me and uh, individualize my training um, in a, um, my racing at least, you know what I'm saying? And then in training, like, he would just have me work yeah. out with the guys, you know, and he wouldn't, like, get me to just hammer, you know, everything, you know? I felt like he saved, yeah, he saved uh, my body quite a bit and, you know, just kind of, through doing not as much as I could have done, you know, I was still able to be competitive and in the failures and going up against those guys, learn as well, grow as an athlete, you know? And I felt like that growth kind of um, even got bigger once I got to, to Bowerman and with Jerry, so. Yeah, I mean, your, your first couple of years out of college, I, I think that you're, you're kind of setting up the next step perfectly. Like, you get out of college and it seems like, you know, if you go to the wiki page for Mohamed, right, it's, it's making a bunch of world finals, yeah. but maybe, you know, maybe not being right up near the medals yet um, in your first couple of years as a pro. Was that, just, you know, I mean, first of all, it's a difficult thing to do either way to yeah. be all the way up there. But is this where your first couple of years as a pro, right, you're just kind of trying to find this rhythm and, you know, adjust to, you know, maybe more challenging workouts, like you're saying, or, you know, describe what those days were like and, uh, maybe the biggest steps in that progression to go from hey i'm making the world final to you know the current status of trying to trying to win yeah yeah so um actually so the next year um in 2013 i made the world uh, championship team for canada and competed at the world championships in 2013 in moscow and i finished like at, at ninth um and i was in it with a lap to go um and i don't know that experience and then the london experience were like, I mean, you can definitely compete, you know what I'm saying, in the world. And it kind of mm-hmm. changed it, shifted my my focus of, like, I like I want to try and, like, get to a medal, medal in position, you know, get to that next level of, of competing for these medals. Like, that was like, man, I just had a little taste, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, like, third wheeling, you know, with a lot to go, like, with Mo Farah and those guys. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, like, those guys are, you know, the, the way that they were celebrating and everything, I'm like, man that'd be nice, you know, to experience. So I think that kind of filled the, the little bit of hunger in me. And when I joined Bowerman, like, you know, my focus was to just go, go for it, honestly. Like, I mean, at my end, like the end of uh, college, like when I graduated, like, you know, there wasn't a lot of opportunities to go pro, you know what I mean? Like for me, like I wasn't getting a lot of offers from this company or that company, you know, but I, Jerry was like, interested in me and was like hey like you know there's a spot for you here you know and um i don't know i wasn't a coveted uh, athlete kind of thing but i don't know jerry just kind of saw something and i just felt like because i didn't win an ncaa title i wasn't like my name was there but it wasn't you know at the top of the ncaa um uh running scene like I had things to prove, you know, so I just kind of had a, like a little chip on my shoulder um, and I showed up and I was like, I want to experience the things that I saw, you know what I'm saying? People doing it at the world championships and stuff like that. And, you know, the only reason why I'm running or uh, joining Bowerman Track Club is to fulfill the, un, uh, I guess, like uh, unfulfilled, like 
potential kind of thing. You know, I felt like I had some something to give, but I just haven't gotten there yet. You know, so I don't know. It was just kind of singular goal, razor focused. Um, so I just kind of had that attitude. And when I showed up at Bowerman, like I just found like, man, these guys are good. Like everybody is good, and workouts were so hard and. Um, but I don't know, I just kind of like, just kept telling myself to believe in myself and, um, you know, just, just go through it and, um, have those high, high goals, like 20, 2015, like I felt like I could have finished like top five, top six, whatever, you know, run 13. Oh, I didn't, but, um, I had those goals and I think those goals, having that kind of goal set me up for the next year in 2016, like, you know, I ran 1301. Um, was finishing like top three at a diamond league race, um, went to the Olympics and, you know, almost medaled, you know what I'm saying? It was like, uh, you know, like uh, two, three seconds away from a medal. Um, and yeah, like had those aspirations, you know what I'm saying? Of, of going for it. And I think like Jerry and Pascal, like they did a great job of just saying, man, like, I think, I think you can, you know, I think you're doing some great workouts, you know, like, you know, this is, I think you can do it. And I think just kind of that encouragement and also just for me, myself, like the goal of just going after it, you know, even, even though I don't think I was ready, you know, mentally, I don't think I was ready, um, to, to, to do it based on like, you know, cause I was lacking a lot of the little skills, you know what I'm saying? Experience, you know what I'm saying? How to go into a race and, you know, um, read the race and 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 take a bump and all those kind of things the physicality of of that moment I just didn't know it you know what I'm saying um, but I felt like in terms of like fitness and stuff like that all those years I could have if 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 the stars aligned I could have done um, I I had a shot you know what I'm saying and I had that kind of mindset mm-hmm. and you know yeah it just it just so happened to be that in 2019 that I was able to like get over the cusp and finally get a, you know, get a medal, you know, but I felt like all those years, you know, 2015, 16, 17, 18, like all those years, like I was learning a little bit. I was learning something, you know, and through the experiences, I was becoming a different athlete, you know, and becoming a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit, you know, even just the way that I'm, that I showed up in, 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 in practice, right? Cause you can, you can waste energy just being in practice. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, just if you're too intense and, and stuff like that. And I felt like maybe the first few years I was probably a little too intense, a little like, all right, let's go, you know, gun ho about everything um, and, and everything. But I don't know, like it's, I'm definitely blessed to uh, with, with, with the years that I've had and um, I wouldn't change anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, all the experiences that I had, all the disappointments, all the failures, all the, you know, um, almost like all that, like just kind of made me the athlete that I am right now, you know? And yeah, I'm grateful for those experiences. You touched on so much there. Yeah. I don't want to skip over the Rio Olympics entirely, right? Yeah. You qualify in both the 10 and the five. You're like two seconds out of a bronze medal in the, in the 5k, yeah. as you said, you know, a lot of that being so close to almost, you know, maybe you didn't simmer in them all the way but you certainly use them as fuel going into doha where you finally are able to get your first global medal uh on on that like world championship olympic level stage do you think because you know you said if the stars had aligned in any of the previous years you could have medaled and that's certainly true 
But do you think just, you know, through your experiences, like you're saying, is it primarily just that added experience that gives you that extra little bit where instead of it being, hey, if things go perfectly, I'm going to medal, it's, hey, I should medal. And, you know, if things go really well, I should win. Like, like yeah. you know, where is that progression just purely experience or have you, I mean, you, you get a little bit better every year at training, but are there any other factors there that, yeah. you know, you've learned like particular experiences? Yeah, it's, so it's, it's quite, it's really interesting because, you know, my first year with the team was 2015. And then the next year, 2016, like I make a huge jump, right? Like I all of a sudden become a, um, uh, like a metal hopeful, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, to like, mm-hmm. you know, like as somebody who's just like, oh yeah, he's, he'll be on the team, you know, to a, like, oh, like he's finishing top three at a, at a diamond league race. Okay. He could potentially get a medal at, you know, in, in these, in these games. And, it's, I mean, even that, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're young, yeah, you're, you want that goal, but just literally that pressure, you know what I'm saying? Of people and even yourself and, you know, how do you harness that? Right. And I think even that in itself was, was, um, was difficult for me because I do remember, uh, before Rio, Jerry, like coming up to me and he says, Hey, like you are like fit, you are ready. Like I, I, I think I think it's gonna be a great night. I think you could do it. I think you can medal. You know what I'm saying? Jerry even saying that, like, mm-hmm. I think you can medal. I just remember like the anxiety and the pressure and you know what I'm saying? Like just how tense that I was. I was like, it's not that I didn't want it, I wanted it, I wanted it, you know. But it was just like I'm using energy literally in this moment, you know, me and Jerry in that dialogue that me and Jerry had. You know, and I think it was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Even um, I think the next year was a little bit better, but um, I think may- maybe the the little race skills or, or something like that and tactics. I was kind of off in twenty seventeen, but in twenty nineteen, I just remember Jerry like talking to me and saying, "Man, like you might be the fittest guy on the field right now." Like you know, because I had rabbited. Um, Woody and Centro and uh, Lopez to that 13, sub-13 and 13 flats literally three weeks before the World Championships and he's like dude like if you can rabbit that that far you know like and maybe we set that up race up just for you maybe you could have run 1250 1240 you know we, we don't know you, you might be the fittest guy here and I'm telling you like him saying that did nothing to me. Like, I was just like, I was calm. I was like, yeah, that's probably true. You know, and it's like experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if that was 2016, like, I'd just be anxious and energy and nervous, depressed, all of it. But 2019, a few years, three years later, it's like, yep, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is the, what's the race plan that you want me to do? And, you know, it's like, we got to, you know, do this and do this and do this. And, you know, I was receptive. I was like, you know, um, committed, um, and yeah, it wasn't anxiety inducing or anything like that. It was just like, you know, we're on the same wavelength, you know, like I definitely believe in myself as much as you also believe in me, you know what I'm saying? And in 2016, it was sort of, it was just young, you know what I'm saying? In mature maturity and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Thank you to everyone for listening to episode one of our two parter, uh, the interview with Mohamed. Uh, we're going to cut it there it's about halfway through and next time we're going to start with uh, some specifics from that bronze medal race he had in 2019 in Doha and uh, moving on from there uh, we touch on a couple of things like 
how Mo has handled training during the pandemic with his teammates. We get into a lot of good stories about Mo and Grant as a training group early on during the pandemic and some of the races they were able to hit together uh, with each of them pacing the other one uh, on the track last year. So uh, definitely stay tuned for next week's ep as we dive deep into Doha and move on from there. Thanks again to everyone for listening and uh, we'll catch you soon on the Half Step Pod. Thank you.